Hello and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. I'm Therese Diasny and I've been speaking to Josh Zitzer about transgenerational trauma, the idea that trauma can be passed down through the generations. My name's Josh Zitzer, I am a journalist and I recently released a podcast called Handed Down which was looking into transgenerational trauma. As you talk about in your podcast you say that you became interested in this subject because of partly because of the experiences of your grandmother who survived the Holocaust. Can you tell me a bit about your memories of your grandmother? What was she like? I had a really, really close relationship with my grandma. We used to talk endlessly. I honestly think I, I was closer to her than I have been to anyone else in my life. I have such warm memories of her. And what's been interesting about this is my mum and her brother don't really have those memories of my grandma. They remember her being maybe slightly more cold and, and removed and and apparently that's quite common, apparently with people who, who suffered the trauma of, of the Holocaust. It was difficult for them to, to be warm and loving with their own children. But then the grandchildren were a little bit more removed. So they could build these really loving, close relationships like I fortunately had. And what was your grandmother's story? How did she survive? My grandmother was born in Germany and then went with her family to the Sudetenland and the Czech Republic. And as sort of the Nazi regime started, uh, her, her father recognised that things weren't really going the way of the Jews. So he decided to move to London and try and find um, a house for the family to move to. They're all set to go, but then my grandmother got scarlet fever and wasn't allowed to travel. And her mother and brother decided to stay with her. Uh, unfortunately, by the time she'd recovered, uh, it was too late to leave and she, she was stuck there. She was eventually taken to Theresienstadt ghetto with her family, uh, where the conditions weren't, weren't great, obviously. But then they were then deported uh, to Auschwitz, where her mother and brother were immediately separated from her. And, and her brother, from what they know, died very, very shortly after in, in the gas chambers. My grandmother managed to survive it, was liberated by the Russians, um, spent some time in Russia was offered the opportunity to to stay in Russia and get a university education or to try and find her father in London. Um, she wasn't sure he was alive, but she thought he could be. Uh, she eventually managed to get to London and found her father. That's an amazing story. Um, but did your grandmother talk to you much about her experiences You know, when she was able to? Yes, and, and again, she spoke to me and the other grandchildren much more than she did to her own children. My my mother and my uncle really didn't know very much growing up. It was all sort of a mystery and a taboo and you, you didn't really discuss it. But I remember I must have been about 10 and I had a school project on family history. Um, and I asked my mum, I knew, I knew that there was a Holocaust connection, but I didn't really know much about it. And I asked my mum if I uh, could ask my grandma about it. And mum said, well, uh, good luck, but, you know, it's worth a shot. And my grandma sat down with me for hours and, and talked me through it and helped me with the project. And, and I think it was quite astonishing to, to a lot of my family that, that she opened up so much. And as I got older, she, she told me more because she thought I could uh, perhaps handle it better. But there were still certain things that she, I don't think I'd spoken to anyone about. Uh, you didn't really want to open up and, and, and sort of be flooded with those horrific memories. Uh, and, and there were certain things which she alluded to or, or sort of heavily suggested, but, but would never outright say. How do you think your grandmother's experiences affected her relationships within the family? So, so you say with your mum and her brother and 
you know, with them with the different generations. I guess I can't, I can't really speak so much about how she treated my, my mother and my uncle because I, I only know what, what they've told me briefly and, and also, you know, that's their, their, their perception of, of, of how it was. Um, but from what I understand, um, often for Holocaust survivors with their children, they would either smother them and, and totally be overprotective or they would sort of be quite distant and, and let them get on with things, which is, from my mum's uh, way of talking about things, more more what my grandmother was like to them. But then I had a very, very different experience. And so you say you became interested in this idea of intergenerational trauma because of your own family's experiences. What have you found out about the concepts and what psychologists say about whether trauma can be handed on down the generations? So, so there are a few schools of thought when it comes to intergenerational, transgenerational trauma, but I think the most common, most accepted form is talking about uh, the transition through, through um, child-rearing uh, techniques and, 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 and approaches. In other words, how you raise your children um, and, and what you teach them is, is normal and how you normalise certain behaviours. So again, sort of being massively overprotective and neurotic or, or being very distant and cold and not showing much affection were quite common uh, behaviours of Holocaust survivors towards their children. And, and in turn, um, that became normalised to, to the children of Holocaust survivors. And they would often uh, copy what they, they learned from their parents and, and, and that would continue and, and the grandchildren would have had a similar experience or they would have tried to correct it and perhaps maybe gone a little too far and, and gone to the other extreme. And what are the reasons that psychologists say that because you can understand why you might want to smother your children and hold them extremely close. What is the reason behind the, this sort of distancing idea? Why, why, why might people be inclined to do that? I think, I think perhaps if you've experienced so much loss and, and grief and, and you've lost so many members of your family and, and, and they've all disappeared and you've been left alone, it's probably quite difficult to find yourself building a deep connection with someone when there's, there's this underlying fear that they, they might perhaps disappear. It's probably also not, not that easy to explain incredibly simplistically because the emotions you'd be feeling and, and the trauma you've experienced is, such, is so complex and, and intense that there's probably not much rationale, at least in, in, in the mind of people who are raising their children in a certain way. How do you feel that you know, that trauma has been passed down to you. What's, what is it in your own experience that led you to that? Um, my mum, uh, love her, uh, is, is incredibly neurotic and, and overprotective. And to be honest, I, I imagine I'll be like that with my children too. And, you know, she would always get very anxious and scared when we were going off on school trips or, or you know, if, if I go out and I, I don't text her still, you know, as a, as a grown adult, if I... If I'm away for a couple of days and I don't let her know that I'm okay, she gets panicky. Um, and that sort of is something I recognised. And there's this, you know, stereotype of the, the neurotic Jewish mother, which you, you see in Woody Allen films and, and read about and, and everything. But I do think it's quite applicable to a lot of, a lot of uh, the children of Holocaust survivors. And I, I certainly experienced that. One of the ways that this transgenerational trauma can manifest itself is through food. Tell me a bit more about that and how that's affected, you know, you and your family as well. 
Yeah, well, well, as you can imagine, with with the Holocaust as a as a particular example, but, but you know, a lot of a lot of uh, people who grew up in uh, wartime Britain and, and you know had extreme rationing also might be affected by this. A lot of people who survived the trauma had a dysfunctional relationship with food. So they so if they were deprived of it, they then when they were no longer deprived of it, would would overfeed their children or perhaps still just have a dysfunctional relationship with food and use it as a reward or or, or something like that. And, and for that reason, a lot of unhealthy cultures surviving around food uh, developed in, in, in the families of people who survived trauma. So, so I know in my family, for example, um, overfeeding was, was a common thing. Um, whenever I went to see my grandma, she would say, Josh, you're looking thin, you, you need to eat more, you need to eat more. And my mum would, you know, if we had five people around for dinner, would cook enough to feed a village and, and make sure that we finished every last bite on our, on our plate. I think that's a, a large part of the reason why, why I suffered with bulimia and anorexia for a few years, because I, I really saw food as, as not just sustenance, but as, as this weird, weird thing which, which was often being forced upon me and, and, and I wanted to withhold. Um, I know that my, my grandma used to binge eat and secretly eat and then used to hide biscuits away, which I now understand would have been because in the camps you would have had to hide, hide away food, and I know... And the Holocaust Survivor Centre in Hendon, they always make sure that they have bread rolls in place scattered around so that the survivors who are still alive never feel like they're deprived of food. And, and apparently they still see people, you know, sneaking away a roll in their pocket. But that's because people have developed such dysfunctional relationships with, with food. So as you've looked at this issue, what have you found that people suggest that might help to overcome this trauma that goes on into generations to prevent it perhaps carrying on even further? I think that's a really interesting point. Um, I think a huge part of overcoming this and and, then stopping it being passed down to to future generations is is one, recognising it. Hopefully uh, talking about it now will will help people recognise, oh, maybe maybe that applies to my family. And then it's it's recommended that you do seek um, some form of therapy. Um, I, I would suggest that perhaps going... To a therapist who really understands the idea of uh, transgenerational trauma or, or perhaps has dealt with the children or grandchildren of, of, of trauma survivors uh, would, would be a good start. I spoke to a therapist who himself was uh, the grandson of Holocaust survivors and works particularly with, with other third generation Holocaust survivors um, and he thinks that you know really working your way through your trauma and coming to understand it could be a good way of breaking that cycle. Obviously the Holocaust is a unique trauma and a unique crime and not to suggest anything else but there must be other people who have you know the victims of other terrible events is what you've learned applicable to people in in other situations as well oh absolutely i i I focus on the holocaust just because of my personal connection to that um but of course i mean a lot of the research is actually um looking the, the grandchildren, great grandchildren um, of, uh, of of African Americans in in the United States, um, you know, they're saying that perhaps people are are still experiencing uh, trauma from uh, when their ancestors were slaves. Uh, I've also spoken to uh, people whose ancestors were involved in the Armenian genocide. There are loads of uh, examples of of really horrendous traumas which this applies to, but also not just historical traumas. Uh, there's quite a lot of research to suggest that perhaps, you know, the children and grandchildren uh, of rape survivors 
um, or, or of people who are prisoners of war, or, or there's a, there's a whole ex- a whole whole wide range of, of, of certain traumas which which mean that it can be passed on. What have you found, you know, personally helps you to work through when you feel anxiety? If you does it help you to recognise where that might come from? I think it does. Um, I think anxiety can feel such like such an isolating and irrational and, and frustrating uh, illness because, you know, you're thinking, why am I getting so stressed about this? Why am I hyperventilating? Why am I having a panic attack? There's no reason to be anxious. But I think sort of seeing that that perhaps this, this might be, on my, be beyond my control to some extent, but that it might just be a part of my makeup, my inheritance, can make the whole experience a little less frustrating and, and can also give you more of a, a direction when you're looking to try and resolve it. Are there techniques that you have now that you try to use if you're starting to feel anxious and stressed? There are. I think I think those those are probably the ones they'd recommend for anyone who, who suffers with, you know, panic attacks or, or or anxiety. I see a psychotherapist and we talk a lot about uh, this idea of transgenerational trauma and I think it does it does sort of help to, to understand who you are, your identity a little more and perhaps why you feel the way you do a lot of the time. Thank you very much. Thank you.